communion meditation is from Ruth. Now our meditation is from chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, but I'll actually start reading a little bit earlier. Ruth chapter 2. I'll read Ruth chapter 2, starting at verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And let grain from the bundles fall purposefully for her. Leave it, that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and beat out wheat what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would awaken our minds to understand and see just how much you teach us uh, from this word you've given. We thank you now and ask you to open our minds and by your spirit uh, apply your truth to our thoughts, to our plans, to our future. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I'll recap briefly. I just read uh, some of this, but really all of chapter 2 is kind of what we're covering, what we're in the concept of covering. Um, we, in past messages, have covered the industry of Ruth. And so here she is. She's recovering from what they'd experienced in Moab. And now they're, uh, she's wanting to start building a life here and provide for herself and her mother-in-law in this new land. And we have Boaz, who's taken notice of this, He's heard the story. Everybody's heard the story of Ruth coming back with Naomi. And so he's taken an interest in her, and he begins to recognize and reward her for what it is that she's doing for herself and for her mother-in-law. And what I want to emphasize here starts at verse 14. We've already seen some evidence of it, but it continues. Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. 
So we see him providing food to her, ready to eat food, not just the grain that they're harvesting. And she keeps it back. She's saving some, and she'll give it later to Naomi. Then he lets her glean among the sheaves. She rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her, meaning what's already been set aside for him. This is his land. This is his crop. And yet, even if you see her stray into what it is that she ought not be touching, let it go. Don't, don't reproach her. Also, let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like Easter eggs. I just imagine. Now, I was young. I was inexperienced. I was pagan for the most part. And yet we would always have Easter egg hunts on the hillside. And we children, and there must have been like 50 cousins. And yet we would always take care the parents, the adults, would always take care to let the little ones find the simple eggs first because those teenagers, I mean, they're racing around. They could collect 100 eggs in a minute, it seemed. And so you wanted to let the little ones get out there and find it. And here you have Boaz watching out for Ruth, just saying, leave it for her, give it to her. He wants to bless her, and he wants it to be subtle, and yet he's instructing his men to do this in a subtle way. Now, listen to how he does this. Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. Let her glean from the bundles and let them fall purposefully for her that she may glean and do not rebuke her. Now, this is going against his standard teaching, I presume. He's probably lectured them repeatedly to not do this type of thing because he's a wise, he's a careful steward. And yes, he allows for the gleaning, but the gleaning is according to God's law, according to God's design. And so he's probably trained his men to harvest crops very efficiently. There's minimal gleaning, I believe, on Boaz's fields. That's how he's become wealthy. And yet here he is intentionally telling them, be a little more loose in this field with Ruth following behind you. He would have probably rebuked these men had he seen evidence of such things. But now he's commanding them to do it. And that's why he's taking pains to tell them carefully, this is what I want you to do. Because he's telling them, I'm certainly not going to rebuke you. This is what I want you to do. And so I think, again, it's just a wonderful picture of a man's uh, wisdom and his attentiveness to his fields. And yet here he is opening up his heart to these other people. Now, there is a distinction, though, that I really have to make between this generosity that Boaz is extending to Ruth and God's generosity that God extends to everyone. Now, we know God blesses all the earth. He causes the sun to come up, the rain to fall down. He grants all peoples across the earth health and wealth. Now, most don't recognize God for that, don't thank God for that. They might even shake their fists at God. And yet, it doesn't wear down God's well-doing and continuing to bless them in this way. And God does command us to be like Him in this regard. Proverbs 26.10 says, The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. So in other words, even those that turn against law and are rebellious, God rewards with a culture predicated on law. And even the lawbreaker knows when he's been wronged. And he will dare the hypocrite to go to the judge and complain. I've been wronged. I want the law to benefit me, even though over here he's stealing. 
But yet that's how God is. God is abundantly generous to all. God expects us to be uh, generous. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. Yet, we are not God. God is all-powerful. Everything is His. He can do what He wants with His own. And, and His power to do this is tremendous. It's, it's totally unrestrained. God can bring whatever He wants to bear on this earth, good or bad. However, we are not God. We are very finite. And so we have limited resources, and God wants us to steward those resources wisely. So, let me read a couple of references to you that I think makes this really clear. Galatians 6, starting at verse 9. Let us not grow weary while well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, we are to do good to all, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. And then, what I quoted for you earlier from 2 Corinthians 9, God loves a cheerful giver. Let's read that in context. 2 Corinthians 9, and let me read verse 1. Now, concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know that your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians. But he's writing to the Corinthians about how to collect for the upcoming arrival of these people that will then take this gift to Jerusalem. I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So, both of these contexts were emphasizing that our duty, our obligation, is first to the household of faith. And yet, God does not want us to be stingy. God wants us to bless the world. And in many regards, Christianity has done just this. Uh, Christians often lead the way in giving all around the world and always have, and I pray, always will. Despite being persecuted, as we just cited, uh, Christians demonstrate the love of God by being generous with people, even people that don't appreciate it. Yet there is a limit to what we have. We are limited. So what God has given us then is guidance. He doesn't want us to be stingy, but he does want our generous giving to come from the heart, not out of a sense of obligation. So that's training. You must train yourself in that. You must train your children in that. How do, you, how do we train our children to be generous? We have to model it for them. So don't be stingy. Yet, we're also not to be a spendthrift over here. We're not to not differentiate between believers and unbelievers, worthy recipients and, frankly, unworthy recipients. Yes, we're to bless the poor. And yet, when I see these people at the corners in Omaha now, 
I see them walking to work. I'm driving into my office, and I see them walking with their sign down to work. I mean, they're down there, downtown. I'm, I'm reporting in. I've got to get to my corner by 6 a.m. or I'm going to miss the, the peak time when people who are guilted into giving me money will stop and give me money. I don't give those people anything. I don't give them a dime. That's their job. I mean, if that's what they want to do for their job, that's fine. But I'm not paying them to do that job, and I'm not rewarding them to do that job. So I don't view those people as the type that I want to give my hard-earned money to. And I think God is fine with that. My Catholic friends, however, would often disagree with me about this principle. They would cite the Scripture, give to him who asks. And I'm like, yes, but what if they're just going to go shoot dope with it? Are you then going to give them money? I don't think it's for us to say what they're going to do with it. I'm like, well, I do. It's my money. I'm not going to give it to them if I know they're going to misuse it. So what we have here in this illustration in Boaz's life is an excellent example of a man who would widely be considered stingy by many in the community. They know he's a hard man. Yet, here he is blessing those that precisely are called upon by, by God to be blessed by him. He has the resources because he shepherds them carefully such that he can use them wisely and not unwisely. I had a friend long ago when I was single, and I lived with this fellow, and prior to us moving in together, he had been in a car accident, and he'd, had a, uh, he'd received like thirty or $35,000. I forget how much money, but he'd received a lot of money. It wasn't his fault. He was, he was hurt. But he just gave it all away. He could not say no. He started giving it away, and then the people that knew he was uh, going to give it away would keep sending him letters, and every time he got a letter, he had to write a check and send it. And uh, I just feel that man was very unwise in this money that God had given him, but he felt obligated. the, The money was just burning a hole in his pocket, and he thought, okay, I'm just going to spend it otherwise, and so I'll give it to anybody who asks. That's not how God wants you to behave with your money. He wants you to be wise. He wants you to build up money such that you can continually bless people throughout the remainder of your life and into your children and your grandchildren's lives. And Boaz is an excellent example of that. So when we come to the table, this is exactly what we're talking about. In other words, who is being blessed by this that God is giving us? Is it the world? No. God pours out his blessings upon all, but he has reserved special blessing for his children. And so, don't allow the world to cheapen that. Don't allow the world to tell you that they are equally God's children as much as you are God's children. When you know that they don't know God, they don't love God, they don't live for God, they don't want to serve Him. And He will tell them that when they appear before Him in the afterlife. Go away from me, depart from me, I never knew you. So don't accept that from people. Don't be guilted into uh, acknowledging that you and they are equally God's children. No. God has adopted us into his family. We are special to him. We are the apple of his eye. They, he doesn't know. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for life, for health, but mostly for your blessing, your salvation. This special blessing that you give to us, that you promise to give to us, not just here on this earth, but in the future that is to come and last an eternity. 
Lord, we want to be wise. We pray, make us wise. Have us to be discerning, but have us to be generous. Have us to be generous of heart, generous of spirit, generous with our goods, certainly generous with our time. We thank you, Father, for your kindness. We ask you to bless this to our bodies and our bodies to the building up of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.